Good morning. It is really good to have you with us. If you are joining us online today or later this week, watching or listening, we're very glad that you're joining us here at White Oak as well. Wanted to start out this morning, um, just kind of a heavy heart really for what's happening in, in Eastern Europe right now. Um, of course, as Americans, we, we sometimes um, lack appreciation for the, the blessings that we have to worship here, to, um, to view things and listen to things like God's word online and the freedoms that we have while we have brothers and sisters around the world, um, not just in, in Ukraine, but all around the world who are suffering. Um, but I do want to pray. I just saw a, a, a Facebook um, post from a friend of mine uh, today. Um, a good friend of his in Ukraine um, was killed um, in action uh, yesterday. Um, he was a man who helped run a, a children's home in Ukraine, placing children um, in international adoptions, a Christian agency, um, and they're just grieving his loss right now. But there's, there's much suffering, not just of God's people in the church in Ukraine, but um, people all, all over Eastern Europe. So um, I just want to pray right now. So if you would bow your heads with me, and um, I just want to ask God to just cover this. Father, you are um, sovereign and you are in control of all things. There is no government or people or ideas that have more influence or power or will. Father God, we don't understand the things that happen, Father, but we do know that what you promise is that you're faithful, that your church will continue to advance to win the lost, that you're good, that you love us, and that you can work anything for the good of your people. So Father, we pray now for those in Ukraine who are facing war, the suffering, the violence. God, would you just show yourself, bring glory to your name and power to your people. And all of these things, Father, we ask your spirit to stir, to move, to heal, to protect. And we know that you will, because you're God. So we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible isn't relevant. And I can say that with some certainty because Jesus is recorded saying as much. When he is sharing um, with some, some religious leaders in John in chapter five, John will reference this in his narrative of Jesus's life. Jesus is talking with some religious leaders and he has just gotten done talking about the claims about who he is. Jesus is arguing with them, laying out a, a narrative for why Jesus has been sent by God to forgive the sins of the world. And in this argument, Jesus says in John chapter five, it's not gonna be on the screen just yet, but I just wanna read it to you. One quick verse in verse 39, this is what Jesus says to them. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And what Jesus says to them is you think when you read the Bible, he says, you think that in them you'll have life. But according to Jesus, 
You cannot find full, eternal, lasting life in the Bible. Now we're wrapping up a series today. And if you've been with us for a while, if maybe you've been listening, you can cap all of these sermons that we've been in February on our website. But we're wrapping up a series called Why I Don't Read My Bible. And sometimes the reasons why you and I, or may a reason why you and I don't read our Bible is because we just overall struggle with whether or not it has relevance to my life. If it, is it relevant? Is it practical? Is it real to the things that I'm going through and the people that I love are going through? Is it relevant to my life? Now, sometimes we can think, we can look at the Bible and say, well, you know, gosh, the Bible it has been good. Um, it's got some great moral, practical teachings. It's got good ethical things that I can apply to my life. We could say it's, it's, it's encouraging. It promotes good concepts. We can, we can say that it's the basis and maybe it's the foundation for my religious principles and my beliefs or practices. So Paul, this is, would be after Jesus said what he did in John chapter five, this would be years later, Paul is going to write to his protege, Timothy, in the New Testament of the Bible. He's gonna to write to him and he's talking about the usefulness of God's word, okay? He's talking about the usefulness of God's word. So in 2 Timothy chapter three, Starting with verse 16, this is what Paul says. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, it's interesting. Is Paul disagreeing with Jesus? Well, so here, let me tell, let's put it like this. Paul is saying that the Bible is literally the breath of God. It is the spirit and the essence of God being breathed out. That's what Paul says. That is scripture. He says it's useful for teaching, for, for rebuking, which actually that word means less like a harsh, like screaming at you to show you you're wrong and more so it's, it's good for evidencing, all right? That's, it's good for evidencing. It's good for, for proving who God is. Paul says that it's good for correcting where, where maybe our lives aren't in line with what God it wants for. It, scripture's good at correcting. It's good for training and righteousness, it's good for teaching us in our hearts what it's like to live for God because of God with the power of God invading our hearts. This is what Paul says. According to Paul, the Bible is useful for all of those things so that you and I can discover who we are in Christ and live and be equipped to do the things and live out the purpose for which God has created you to live out. Now, that's what Paul says the Bible's good for. It's useful for that. Now, let's set aside for a minute, if you will, um, what Paul and what Jesus say about the relevance of Scripture in your life. Because if we're going to be really honest today, we really have to look at what you think. All right? What do you think about the Bible? What do you think? Is it relevant to your life? So let's just get really practical. Some of us would say, well, actually, it's really kind of an outdated, unreliable document. 
series of books, okay? Well, we've addressed that in one of our sermons. You can listen to that online and, 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 and get thinking a little bit deeper on that, okay? Some of us say, well, we find the Bible is useful and it's encouraging. I mean, like, I don't know how many of you, show, we won't do a show of hands, okay? How many of you have scripture in your home that you bought for 40% off at Hobby Lobby, right? There's some cool stuff there. I mean, there's Bible verses all over Hobby Lobby and some cool framed art, okay? How many of you have it hanging in your kitchen, right? Some of us do, probably a lot of us do. The Bible's good for that. Some, some of us find the Bible useful for, putting, for showing how people are wrong. Some of us just actually think the Bible's a great tool for proving why people are wrong. Some of us find the Bible is useful to study. And sometimes, maybe you've used that word, I'm, I'm part of a Bible study, or I'm going to a Bible study, or I'm going to study the Bible. And, and some of us think the Bible is useful for filling our head with knowledge about God. Some of us appreciate the Bible's teaching about love. You don't even have to believe much, much in the Bible to, to appreciate that the Bible teaches a lot of good things about love. And so maybe that's what you think, but you kind of grieve the fact that God gets a lot of stuff wrong too in the Bible, and that bothers you. So the Bible isn't relevant, or is it? It's kind of like how I'm gonna get you to pay attention to what I say for the next 25 minutes because that's a pretty stark, startling statement. So here's our big idea for today. God's word isn't about my kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about his kingdom. God's word is not about my kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about his kingdom. So I want to think about it this way with you for a moment. If you'll let me kind of uh, you know, paint this picture. Relevance, what, something is relevant if it helps expand your kingdom and my kingdom. So I find something relevant if it helps expand what I think is good for me. All right. So what is a kingdom, right? It's basically, um, it's, it's, a, it's a dominion that I have. See, in my kingdom, in my life, I call the shots, right? I have the control. I have the, the most influence, right? It's my kingdom. I have dominion over these things. And that's what a kingdom is, right? So whatever promotes my kingdom is what's relevant to me. Whatever promotes your kingdom, your, your, your sphere of influence, which you want to see happen in your life, that is what is relevant to you. So when Amazon increased their prices from $12.99, what is it, like $15.99 or $14.99 now, that's relevant to you. Okay, you're like, oh, that's not a whole lot. It's a little bit. It's like, what was it, like 30 bucks or 20 more bucks a year? I don't know. Because you watch TV from Amazon. You get everything shipped for free from Amazon. Well, you don't get it for free, but they say free shipping, all right. So that's relevant to you. So is there any conversations about COVID? That's relevant to you. Because these last two years, all the conversations about this, it's impacted your, your, your health, your, your, your way of life, your, 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 our freedoms, that's been relevant to you because Amazon's impacting your wallet, COVID's impacted your freedoms. And so decisions that you make regarding finances or the decisions that you and I make regarding relationships or, or religion or, or, or faith or sexuality, all of those things 
are relevant to your life and to mine because they, they speak into my wealth. They speak into my future. They speak into my, my um, comfort zone. They speak into my relationships and the things that matter to me. Those things have relevance because I want to be able to control those things. It's my kingdom. And if it's about the things that I want, it's about the things that are desires on my heart, that is what's relevant. Now, God's kingdom operates parallel to ours. Every time that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, okay, if you read the New Testament, if you read the words of Jesus in the gospels, you're gonna see Jesus use phrases like kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. They're, they're, they're interchangeable in a sense, okay? Jesus is talking about an advancement of God's will, God's influence, God's dominion on earth. Okay, that's what that's talking about. Now, now the ancient Greeks, okay, ancient peoples, especially Greek and Roman mythology, they believed, they had a view of the world that was um, a cyclical spiral of downward motion. They believed that, uh, that life, uh, that, that the world was a, the history spun cyclically. Things repeated over into a downward spiral until the very end of the world was just, just blown up and destroyed. Everything was headed towards chaos and destruction, all right? That was their worldview. But when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he says, yes, things are happening that are bad in this world. There is chaos. But Jesus's argument, when he talked about the kingdom, it wasn't the cyclical spiral of downward destruction. He talked about it as something that was building, building to a climax. Jesus talked about a kingdom that, that he was taking the chaos and the brokenness and the things that were bad and, and wrong in this world. And he was renewing them day by day. He was renewing and making them better. And until Jesus comes back one day when all things will be finally made brand new and perfect again, that was Jesus's kingdom. It was invading and it was advancing. It was renewing things starting now. So, the issue that you and I have with the Bible is really less about what's relevant and it's more about what you think, is it a means to an end? Does it help, does the Bible help you build your kingdom or mine? Does it make my life better? Are, are, are things in my life better and easier because of the words that I find in this book? Does this get me where I want to be? That's the real question. It's not about relevance. It's just practically, does it make my life better and easier or not? The problem that we've run up against when we start talking about is the Bible relevant to my life and to the things happening in this world and the people that I love and the people around me is, is that we've been looking at the Bible with the wrong kingdom in mind. And I will submit to you that you have been looking at the Bible with the wrong kingdom in mind that maybe your motivation and my motivation for reading this has been wrong and it needs to change today. Are you open to that? Are you open to that? That maybe your motivation for reading God's word needs to change today. So I'm gonna share with you three things here. Three things that you need to know if you want to understand the relevant power of God's word in your life, if you want to. Understand the relevant power of God's word in your life. Here's the first thing, is you're gonna to have to go against the flow, all right? Go against 
the flow. I want you to take a look at what, I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a second, all right? I, Paul says something to Timothy about um, those who follow Jesus, all right? He, he's talking about followers of Jesus. In fact, leaders in the church in some way. Second Timothy, we're gonna go back, all right, to Second Timothy chapter three, starting in verse one, all right? Here's what it says. He says, but mark this, there will be a terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, well, that's interesting, but denying its power. So when Paul talks about the last days, okay, don't get this like um, apocalyptic, like, you know, thing in your head. He's saying from, from now, okay, until the time that Jesus comes back, okay, he's talking about these things that are happening in the hearts of people. Yeah, okay, he's, he's acknowledging to the Greeks, yeah, things are bad, there's chaos, there's bad stuff that happens, all right? And before Jesus makes all of it completely new, you're going to notice the bad stuff in people's hearts and in your own. From that time till now, Paul says, Timothy, there's going to be people who will behave in such a way that will build their kingdom as their top priority. And then he says, but it won't be people that will necessarily appear to be bad, all right? It won't necessarily be people who, who are clearly and obviously evil. They can have an outward appearance of godliness. Like you look at that list and you how could somebody with that in their heart have an outward appearance of godliness? Well, it's, it actually is fairly simple, right? Because the fruit of your life is evidence of your motives. So Paul says these can be religious people. They will be religious people. They will be people who read their Bibles. They will be people who, who believe stuff in here. But they won't have the power of God's transformative love in their hearts. So the way that you look at Paul says, pay attention, because what are the opposites of all of those things? He talked about, are these people serving the poor? Are they growing in generosity? Are they growing in humility and gentleness and, and love? Are they, are they discipling people who are younger in the faith and, 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 and just behind them on the path of faith? Are they going backwards and, and discipling and teaching younger folks? Are they growing in generosity with their time and their words and their money? Paul says, these are people who are investing in a kingdom but it may not be the right one. It may be theirs and not God's. See, when it comes to Jesus, this is what I mean by go against the flow. When it comes to Jesus, the crowd was always out of touch with reality. The culture was always out of touch with reality. If you and I are gonna have a life-changing encounter with Jesus, if you are, if that's what you want, if you wanna have a life altering encounter with the person of Jesus, then you're going to have to go against the flow of the crowd and culture because Jesus pointed out all the time how that flow was building their kingdom, but not God's. And so he would push against the religious people all the time. Jesus would push against the people that had money 
or the people who were at the top. He would push against the cultural acceptance of, of, of sex or, or marriage or, or wealth or what it, was look like to, what it looked like to be a good neighbor. He pushed against the, the popular views of morality and faith. Jesus was always pushing against culture and the crowd. See, there are two parallel kingdoms that are advancing all around you. One is your kingdom and one is God's. And they're both advancing. One's heading to renew all things. And one is just heading nowhere. And to find relevance in God's word, if you care, if you're listening now, and if, if you care, if you care to find relevance in God's word, you need to go against the flow often of where your family's headed. You're gonna have to go against the flow often of where your friend group is headed. The place that your coworkers seem to be aiming their energy. If you wanna experience the relevance of God's word in your life, sometimes you've gotta go against the flow of the people in your Bible study or in your life group. You gotta push against that. Paul goes on. Look what he says in verse seven about these people, all right? Verse seven, he says, they're always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of truth. Now, I want you to pause there and I want you to say, ah, all right? Go ahead and say it. Ah, all right? Because that's an ah moment. It's an aha moment. Something is being um, revealed here. Something's being uncovered here that's pretty fascinating. You can, apparently, you can read the Bible. You can have a form of godliness, all right? You can have attended last week our How to Read My Bible workshops, which were awesome. There was like 125 people who attended that last week here at White Oak. We love God's word. We're interested in it. But you can do all of that. You can learn what the Bible says about all kinds of topics and you can never come to the truth. You can read the Bible, believe what it says and never find its relevance to your life. Here's the second thing. You gotta go against the flow. If you want to experience the transformative power, the relevant power of God's word in your life, you often are gonna be pushing against the culture and the crowd around you. Here's the second thing. You've got to obey what you know. You obey what you know. Look, look, look what Paul says here. Um, verse 14, okay? He's continued to instruct Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So I don't know where you are in the spectrum of faith and what you believe about the Bible. You're listening later this week, or maybe you'll share this recording with a friend of yours. I don't know where you are and what you believe about Jesus or the Bible. You may not be convinced that it's true. No, that's okay. All right, we can work, we can, we can work with that. You may not be yet convinced, but here's the thing. You have people in your life who are. You have people in your life, every person in, in this room, someone listening today, there's someone in your life 
who is living out the message of God through their life. They're generous. They're serving the poor. They're, they're, they're building on kindness and patience and generosity. There's someone in your life that is living this out, not even necessarily with their words, but with their actions. There's someone in your life that is teaching you what it looks like to have the relevant power of God, his word active in your life. There's someone you know that's living it and they're modeling it for you. Are you paying attention? Here's the second thing. Everybody that's listening to this right now and listening to me right now, you know something about the message of Jesus Christ. You know something about this. You know something about God's word, even if it's only the things I've read to you so far. And Paul says, Timothy, Nathan, you, be obedient to what you've, what you've heard. Walk in what you know. You know something. So be it, whatever you know, Paul says, whatever it is you know, practice that. Like be obedient to it. Listen, did you know, this, this might blow your mind. You can be obedient to the things that you see in God's word before you understand what it really means. Did you know that? You can be obedient to the things that you read in God's word that God is speaking into your heart before you even believe it. <laughs> you can. That's okay. That's not like, that's not, that's not life in reverse, okay? You can believe it before, you can, you can act on it before you believe it. You can act on it before you understand it. You can do that. That's what Paul says. Don't wait till you understand it. Don't wait till you're thoroughly convinced. Why don't you just start practicing what you see that is in God's word now? And some of us would say, well, you know what? If only, I, 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 would, I would practice it, I would believe it. If only God's word affirmed the things that I already believe. If it only affirmed the things I believed about this topic or, or this people group or this thing, if it could just be a little bit more modernized, then I would believe it and I could act on it. And others of us would say, you know what? If I just read it more, if I just understood more, if I just memorized more, then it would have relevance in my life and I'd be able to practice it. And, we're, and, and both of us, all of us are missing out on the power of God, the relevant power of God's word moving in our lives because we haven't been obedient to the things that we already know. And that's true for all of us. You see, you and I measure relevance like this, okay? Because I, I, we, we I, I want to switch it up with you a little bit, okay? You and I measure relevance like this. If his word doesn't apply to my circumstances, if God's word doesn't apply to the, um, to the crowd, to the, to the values of the United States, right? If God's word doesn't apply to the things that I'm struggling with, if God's word doesn't agree with those things, if it doesn't make my life better or easier, then it's not relevant, Anybody ever thought that? Or some of us would say, you know what? God's word is only relevant if I agree with it. Well, what if relevance was, what if we actually measured relevance differently? It had nothing to do with what you could apply. It had nothing to do with what you already believe. What if relevance was measured differently? What if, okay, let me do this. What if God's word isn't waiting for your application, but it's offering you transformation? 
God's word, let me be very clear. God's word isn't in need of your applying it to your life. It doesn't need that. God's word does not need you thinking through, well, this is interesting. Now, how do I apply this to my life today? That God's word doesn't need that from you because the word of God has already been applied to your life. Okay, it has been placed on you. Listen, listen, all right. It has been placed on you like a, like, like a cloak of identity. First John chapter three, God says that you are children of God. So God has placed his word of identity. You are a daughter, you are a son, a deeply loved daughter and son of God. He places that over you. He puts it on you as an identity. He's applied it to you. He doesn't need your help. Right? God has clothed you with the spirit of Christ. In Galatians chapter three, that's what Paul says to the, to the Galatian readers, that God has clothed you. He has put the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, he's clothed you in Christ. That, that, you didn't do it. He has applied it to you. He's covered you. He's given you the identity. He's put those clothes on you, the spirit. He's poured the spirit out on those who believe. In Romans chapter two, right? Says that God has been writing his word on your heart since the day before you were born. You didn't write it. Okay. You didn't memorize it. You didn't study it. He's just been writing it there. See, Paul says something really key here about scripture. Look, did you see it? Listen, listen to what it says. He says the Holy Script about the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the Bible will make you wise. I'm not going to argue that. That sounds good. Okay. Towards salvation, which is only found in faith in what? How, how do you get wise to what salvation is found in faith in what? Not the Bible. You can't find salvation through faith in the Bible. It's in a who, it's not in a what, it's in Jesus. Did you see that? Your salvation is found in Jesus. So here's the third thing about understanding the relevant power of God's word in your life, okay? You gotta go against the flow. You gotta obey what you know, okay? If you wanna see the relevant power of God's word at work in your life. And here's the third thing, you gotta recognize your motivational center. Okay, you got to recognize your motivational center. In John chapter five, Jesus approaches these religious leaders. And if you read the whole chapter, you'll kind of be a little bit, wow, this is such a conversation. Jesus is picking a fight, a little bit of an argument with these guys, okay? Because these guys know the Bible. Well, the Old Testament anyway, the New Testament was, hadn't been written yet, right? But they know the Hebrew scriptures, They've been reading them since they were children. These men had the Hebrew scriptures, much of it memorized. You could not be talking to a more educated, Bible study immersed group of religious people. You don't know anybody like these guys, okay? You don't, I don't, right? And Jesus says saying this to them, you study that, look, verse 39, John chapter five, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. You think, but you don't. He says, these are the very scriptures that testify about who? The Bible? No. Jesus says they're testify about me. And verse 40 goes on and he says, 
yet you refuse to come to me that you might find life. The Bible, it turns out, White Oak, doesn't save you. The Bible cannot save you. The words in here won't make your life better or easier. If you just applied them more and tried harder. Don't you, aren't you sick of that? Aren't you tired of just trying to read it more and try harder? You can know the Bible and not have eternal life. You can read the Bible and not find full and lasting life. This is why, listen, church, listen, if you're listening online, this is why this whole month we've been talking about it. This is why that you struggle to read the Bible. This is why we struggle. This, all of us do. This is why we struggle to read the Bible because we're looking for something. All of us are. We're looking for something that is relevant to feed the very desire of our hearts, aren't we? We're constantly in search for something that is gonna speak to the, the, the motivation of our hearts. Where do I find identity? Who gets to tell me who I am or what I am? I want to be loved. Who gets to tell me and assure me that I am? Right? We want to be healed of the things that hurt us. We want to have hope. That's our motivation. Where do I find hope in this life? What's my purpose? Those are the things that drive our motivation. And the culture and the crowd around us don't know. They can't provide that for you. The words of the Bible cannot provide that for you. Religion cannot provide that for you. It's all irrelevant. The reasons that you don't read the Bible and the reasons that you do read the Bible can be both damning. Jesus' kingdom replaces all of the things that we've been building ours on. All of these things are, that are completely inadequate to transform your life. We need a new motivational center. The Bible can't be our center. Jesus has to be. Jesus must be. And with him, we can overcome anything. We can sense that everything that is in chaos and that is broken and that is hurting in our world and in your life is being slowly renewed, not made perfect, not necessarily even made better, but it is working to a climax at a time when Jesus will renew all things. And he's the only one that can do it. Where he's the only one that can affirm your identity as a son or daughter of God. You cannot lose that identity. It's yours from him. See, we need to replace the centers, our centers, because I'm gonna tell you what, when Jesus died on the cross, the center of God's wrath and justice was aimed right at your heart and mine. We were in the bullseye. Somebody had to pay for our sin. And the center of God's wrath and justice was aimed right at your heart. Then Jesus stepped in the middle and said, Father, I've got this. It's not gonna be on them. I'm gonna take your wrath. I'm gonna take your judgment. I'm gonna take sin so that you can live. And then we can learn through Jesus what it looks like to obey. 
<laughs> what it looks like to serve the poor, what it looks like to let generosity overflow out of your life, and, and what it looks like to forgive your spouse, and what it looks like to live risky faith. And then all of those things that the Bible talks about, Jesus will empower you over time to obey and to learn from because we are secure in the one that the Bible leads us to. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this week. And maybe for the weeks to come, read God's word, start. And in a few minutes, I'll tell you where I'm gonna encourage you to start, but start reading God's word and begin to practice what it is that it says. Be honest with what you don't understand. Be honest with where you're disobedient. Oh my goodness, there's gonna be lots of that. And ask yourself this question every time you read. How is what I'm reading pointing me to the heart of Jesus? Because he is the one that saves you and transforms your life. God's word is not about my kingdom. It's about the kingdom. Pray with me. God, I thank you for Jesus, who is life everlasting in its fullness and forgiveness. Help me, Father, to see in your word the one true thing that appoints me to wisdom that can lead to salvation through faith in. Jesus alone. I thank you for him, Father. I thank you for him, Father. I thank you for him, Father. Amen.